0: Hey, it's Daddy and welcome back to Daddy As Fuck. Today's episode is about pigeonholing your role in relationships. Sometimes when we conduct our relationships, we can fall back into normative thought forms. And conduct our relationships based on how we think things are going what we think we should be doing based on our role in our dynamic or our role in our relationship versus our own wants needs and desires and the wants needs and desires of our partner and what our relationship can handle so grab your blankies grab your stuffies grab a sword because we're gonna battle some normative thought forms as we fly the pigeon coop and head on down the bunny hole Pigeonholing your role in relationships is something that came out of um, deconstruction with Baby Girl when we first started creating our relationship. Because we created our relationship with such intentionality that I feel if we were both asked to draw a picture of our relationship, it would look very similar. You know, we work hard to make sure that we're both kind of looking at the same view out of a very similarly framed window. And that's caused me to look back at my uh, the way I conducted myself in my relationships in the past. And then it kind of caused me to look at the world around me and realize that this there's this thing with roles going on. So I'm going to ask a couple questions. Have you ever been frustrated or at odds with how you think relationships should be going versus how they have actually played out? Have you expected things of your relationship only to be surprised that they go completely differently? Have you ever felt limited in your relationships, but also like you needed them to be more? Do you use your past relationship experience to govern your current or future relationship choices and our goals? Meaning, are you using your experience as a yardstick to compare what you've had versus what you have? If that's the case, you may be pigeonholing yourself to some degree or another. Now, pigeonholing is a term that I'm kind of co-opting and coining into the realm of relationships. Pigeonholing yourself into a role in a relationship, it's, it's nothing new. For example, your mom is your mom, right? But she may also be a sister. She may be an employee. She's certainly a customer in some stores. She may be someone's best friend. She's somebody's, she may be somebody's wife or life partner. And to each one of those people that she has those types of relationships with, she's kind of playing a role and, you know, not intentionally. It's like she acts as uh, an employee to her boss. She's not going to go to her boss and say, hey, honey, where should we go on vacation this summer? It's just not going to happen. She's going to go to her boss and say, hey, I need to take some vacation time this summer. You know, it, it's a role that just happens by virtue of the nature of the relationships that we're in. So yes, we all live in certain roles in our different relationships in our lives. But pigeonholing, which can happen pretty much in any relationship, is like typecasting in a way. And I'm going to say that the the more unresolved insecurities we have, the more likely we are to take our cues from the world outside of us as to how we should be acting in certain types of relationships – But pigeonholing as a type of, as a form of typecasting is is one in which we see ourselves or allow others to see us a certain way and we make our choices to control how we are behaving in those relationships such that this view of ourselves and the view others have of us directly influences the way we feel, think, and act in our relationships like we take that feedback from the world around us And we use that as like a double check to make sure like, oh, I was a good wife, I was a good mother today, I was a good friend today, I was a good employee today. This view kind of becomes our reality, and it can get very muddy and gray, and we make choices that correlate with our view of how we feel we should be acting. We accept our role in relationships with such resolve that it can govern our every choice. Even though deep down in our hearts we know that we are not truly happy, we need more, and may be settling, and it might even feel like there is no choice. I mean, how many times have you sat at work going like, well, I'm stuck here, I gotta pay the mortgage, I gotta pay the bill, I gotta be a good employee. I gotta know my role. So in some ways, we commit to the fate that are laid out by the choices we've made in our past, you know? We adopt the role of the relationships that we're in. We can quite easily be striving for one thing in our head or thinking one thing in our head, but acting completely differently in our relationships, you know, making choices that fulfill on the role we're in as opposed to our own wants needs and desires and this causes a loss of connection with our partners our dynamic and a loss of healthy connection to our relationship and the nature of our role within it and also a huge fucking loss of connection with our sense of selves in our relationship and with ourselves so what might pigeonholing look like so let me tell you a story right Um, I'm 28 years old and I've been married probably six months and I'm standing out behind my shed doing some yard work and I'm just, the thought just hits me, you know, I'm not really happy. Like this, this is not where I parked my car. This kind of sucks, but now I look at the world around me and all my coworkers and my friends and just general society. It was just full of men complaining about their wives, and they all had the same complaints that I did. So I said, oh shit. Oh, oh, I made it. Yeah, uh, that's what it must. That's what it means to be married. OK, great. Well, I'm going to I'm going to rock the shit out of this. I'm going to be the best fucking husband who is also miserable that ever lived on the planet. Right. So I, I adopted the role because the role was more important to me, like living up to the role that is a consequence of the choice i made in my past to get married well i'm committing to the role and so there i pigeonholed myself so here's another story um when my marriage i knew my second marriage was having problems Uh, it really hit me one night when i was laying in bed and we were going to sleep and everything fell quiet in the dark and i was laying there going off to sleep and this happened many 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 times I would say to myself or I would think to myself as I close my eyes, if you could wake up tomorrow and be divorced, but not not have to go through it all, just like have it all like done and finalized. Would you do it? And my answer was like, um, yeah, fuck, yes, 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 I would. But I didn't want to go through all of that anguish and heartbreak and trouble because it defied my identity as a role as my role of a good husband, right? So I, I pigeonholed myself into that toe-the-line mentality and act like a fucking husband and stop thinking about getting divorced rather than saying, hey, I'm unhappy enough to be having these thoughts when I go to bed. Now, just because I was having those thoughts doesn't mean that we would necessarily end up getting divorced, maybe it maybe it would have and ultimately it did but i never really even shared those thoughts with my second wife you know i never told her that we never had a chance to discuss it why because i set them aside i set my wants needs and desires aside to play the role of husband here's another story so i have a friend and he, many, many years ago, he was about to get married. And it was about a month before he was going to get married that he would frequently come to me and very strongly complain about his partner to the point where he would be like, Yeah, dude, I just don't get it. I don't, I don't get, and, and uh, pardon the toxic masculinity here. I, I just don't fucking get it. Women suck, dude. And I'm like, Well, Hello. I raised my hand and I said, so just like, I just want to like, you're getting married in a month. Are you sure you want to do that? If you're standing here saying like, you can't stand to be around her, but you're getting married next month. He's like, yeah, yeah, dude. I don't know. You know, it's just women just suck. And he completely like completely ignored like the direct Question about, like, hey, dude, you're saying women suck, but you're about to commit to one for the quote unquote rest of your life. What the fuck is going on here? He was so focused on playing the role of miserable fiance, soon to be miserable husband, that he just went on to get married and he would not even address my question about hey, what's with that, you know? Because he was pigeonholing himself into the role of, hey, relationships suck, and this is what happens when you're with a girl, and dot, dot, dot. Pigeonholing, I find, can look a lot like being resigned to one's fate. Feeling like you have no choice. Having thoughts of taking what you can get. When you find yourself looking for ways to convince yourself that things are working, yeah, there's some pigeonholing going on there. It's like, uh, yeah, there's this and this, but there's this. And this. just, that's not a symptom. It's kind of a sign. Using inverted assurances like, well, it could be worse could be indicative that you're trying to justify yourself in a role that you might not be happy with, but you're accepting because you're in that role. When you um, often find yourself rationalizing why you should stay in a relationship, yeah, that's, that's another good sign that you might be pigeonholing. Pigeonholing yourself into the role of a partner, a spouse, a caregiver, a dominant, a submissive, etc. deprives us of the ability to make choices that are right for us both now and in the future. We become that which we see we should be, and along the way it slowly erodes our sense of self, such that if the relationship becomes something that's no longer healthy for us, it's nearly impossible for us to see it. So let's take a look a little bit deeper into pigeonholing and let's take a t- let's um take a look at relationship roles. We take on roles in our relationships. You know, think of the example of your mom, and it doesn't have to be your mom. It could be anybody. We all have many different types of relationships with people in the world around us, and each of those looks very different, right? So I'm calling it, you know, roles, but they're not necessarily roles. We're just going through life doing what we're doing. But sometimes, as in the um, context of this podcast, we do internally adopt ourselves into some of these stronger relationship roles and these roles can like, you know, Think of it like a little girl or a submissive or a dominant. You know, sometimes, you know, as a dominant, uh, I have found that I've struggled against my sense of my own personal wants, needs and desires in a relationship versus what I should be doing to be a good quote unquote dominant, right? Or a good quote unquote husband for that matter. Even if those things kind of ran contrary to what I wanted at the time, you know, that's, that's falling into a role. And those roles sometimes can define how we feel, what we think, and then of course, you know, how we act. If we're not aware of how we're exercising our freedom of choice in our relationship, we could end up defining ourselves more by the role we're playing in our relationship than we do by our sense of self. So when we play the role of ourselves rather than the role defined by our relationship. It elevates us out of the limiting restriction of singular roles like partner, daddy, spouse, caregiver, dominant, submissive, little girl, and even mom or dad, brother or sister, in the sense of being, um, you know, a family member, right? Seeing ourselves as an individual, separate from our roles and relationships, allows us to be in touch with our own wants, needs, and desires, Not those dictated by the relationships. It allows us to understand with a healthy sense of self what we need out of our relationships and what we need for ourselves that our relationships simply cannot provide. Things that without our sense of self would be slowly eroded until we fill with resentment and are resigned and no longer know who we are as an individual separate from our partners. That was me in both of my marriages. When we pigeonhole ourselves into the role we play as a partner or a spouse or a dominant, etc., we risk becoming a role martyr, putting the needs of others and the relationship over the needs of ourselves in an unhealthy way, a way that causes us to have major dysphoria in our relationships. That state of restless unhappiness that we need to constantly find ways to convince ourselves that we shouldn't be feeling. Like, why do I feel this way? I should be so lucky. Look at all. count my blessings, count my blessings. Gotta self-soothe and convince myself that it could be worse, right? Let's think about having the hard conversations versus being that role martyr. So, what's a role martyr? Well, I see it as someone who gets a psychological, emotional payoff out of sacrificing themselves in their role to prove how much harder it is for them or how much they're giving to the relationship, right? Holding on to our stories as human beings are apt to do gives us power. Because those stories give us proof to support all the other stories we have about ourselves and the world around us, right? You know, this is right, that is wrong, this is true, this is false. It kind of gives us, um, you know, like an internal compass about how the world works. And collecting proof for our stories justifies all the actions we take and the things we say to protect ourselves when we feel threatened, scared, or any of those other unpleasant feelings we don't like to feel. Even more so, we don't ever want to accept that we have responsibility over how we feel. No, we're just feeling all the feelings. It couldn't possibly be anything in my control. couldn't possibly be as a result of any of my choices or actions. No, we much prefer the focus that it's coming from some external threat. That I feel these icky things because something's, something's making me feel these icky things. Not because something's happening and I'm interpreting it through all of the stories that I've collected to justify it, it as an icky thing that shouldn't be happening, right? Here's an example. Now, this, this might go a little bit sideways, but try to follow the bouncing ball. My mom forbids us uh, to help her with dishes. She literally, no matter how big the mess is, no matter how big the dinner was and the disaster the kitchen is, she does not accept help doing dishes. My take on it is that accepting help would rob her of the proof that she does everything herself and it would steal the power of her story that justifies her feeling unappreciated. Now, I'm not banging on my mom. I'm just highlighting the mechanics of the human condition because, in fact, she's very much appreciated and she literally chases us out of the kitchen to prevent us from proving her story wrong. Because if she accepted the help, it would mean that she did have help. She was worthy of the help and in fact is appreciated. Why would feeling worthy and appreciated be a bad thing, you might ask? Why doesn't my mom want to take the help so that it can validate that she is appreciated and she is deserving of the help? Because I feel that it puts us in a position where we can get hurt. If we then start collecting proof that we are worthy and we are appreciated, then it puts ourselves in a position that we can lose that. Then you, you definitely have something to lose, right? That if something comes along and takes that sense of worthiness or appreciation away, it'll break your heart a little. So it's so much easier to convince yourself you're not worthy or appreciated. And you'll just do it yourself. And thanks for the offer, but I'll just do it myself. In this way, you're constantly protecting yourself and you won't get hurt. And the fact is, that can be hurting you every minute of every day and in ways that are far more insidious than the alternative. How? Because it's robbing you of chances for those intimate connections and human bonding that allow yourself to feel worthy and appreciated can create For example, my mom accepts the generous help graciously, deservingly, and we spend 20 minutes of quality time doing dishes together and basking in the shared experience, talking and laughing and enjoying the satisfaction of cleaning up together. You know, that's that's one possibility it could create. But the reality is there's no amount of thank yous and shows of appreciation that will change her behavior because it's not external. It has nothing to do with people saying thanks or offering help. It comes from inside of her and it comes from inside of me and it comes from inside of you. When we are pigeonholing ourselves into our role in a relationship and we're being a role martyr, there's an unwillingness to part from that way of being. It would rob us of our power to do so. And after all, this is harsh but true, we can't hold things over others if we ourselves are asking for what we need and making sure that we're getting it. Because that leaves us vulnerable and then we might owe somebody else something and ooh, isn't that a shitty thought? But wait, there's another way we can be true to ourselves. So how can we avoid the tendency to pigeonhole ourselves into the roles we play in our relationships? How can we be true to ourselves while also respecting that we are a partner, we are a husband, we are a dominant, we are a submissive? We do have these roles that we are in that can certainly take over our um, perspective in relationships. But how do we hold on to our sense of self in a relationship? So to thine own self be true, right? Focusing on my wants, needs, and desires and communicating them allows me to work with my partner to create and maintain a relationship that fulfills me rather than my simply filling the role of boyfriend, submissive, daddy, mother, lover, friend, etc. because there's no guarantee that the role that I see myself in and the way that I interpret that role as it should be is going to be one that I carry out in a fulfilling way for my partner, right? But when you consider that when you meet somebody, you are meeting them as you as an individual. And they are an individual and you both kind of like each other and you're attracted to one another. So then you start spending more time together, right? You came together, you started as individuals. So we tend to, or I find that I have had a tendency to give up my sense of individuality over to the role of a relationship. And it can be. Hard to separate ourselves from the story of the roles that we play. The world surrounds us with examples of how to be in our relationships. Suggested ideals in movies and social media. Even in conversations with friends and families as we all try our best to support one another through this thing called life. And at the same time, we're unknowingly having the bar set from these social norms right because truth comes from agreement you know there is no absolute truth one plus one equals two is a truth that we all accept i mean sure in mathematical proofs and theorems and whatnot and consistency of the universe and kind of points to some measure of universal truth but in the sense of like, I put my hand into a flame and most likely it's going to burn me. You know, that's pretty true, right? We can all accept that as a universal truth. But when it comes to relationships and, you know, how to um, how to propose to your partner social norms kind of set the truth through agreement, social customs, you know, local regional customs, every society is going to have its own truth about how do you propose to a partner, you know, and how do you conduct a marriage and how do you raise your children? Truth comes through agreement in those in those cases. So it's normal that we would look to the collective agreement for kind of our sense of setting the bar for what's normal or right in a relationship as we you know, seek to be a good boyfriend, girlfriend, dominance of this, you know, we look to the community and see like, oh, well, what's a dominant? What does a dominant do? You know, how is a dominant going to treat me? What kind of dominant do I want? What kind of dominant do I want to be? You know, without even realizing it, we could definitely be making choices to do what we think is right for our role in our relationship. But is it right for you? Will making this choice or that choice contribute to your happiness today or next month and in 10 years, where will the choices you are making in your relationships lead you? Where are they leading you? So if you really like project those choices forward and compound their consequences, what's the inevitable outcome? What are the possible outcomes? Does that look like where you want your life to go? Do you want to wake up in five years, look around and say, hey, this isn't where I park my car? I mean, sometimes, you know, we can have the best of intentions and still end up opening our eyes one day and say like, well, I've been true to my wants, needs and desires and this isn't where I park my car. But, you know, that's not the point. The point is to have your sense of self intact. And then you can navigate life more confidently that you are making choices that light you up, you know? The other alternative is to create a future that's flexible. It's open to evolution. And it's one where it's okay if we grow apart or are together until our last sunset on earth. All of those options are okay. You know, relationships um, don't have to last forever to be considered successful. A relationship that meets my wants, needs and desires and also meets the wants, needs and desires of my partner can free us to enjoy what it means to be together by choice, to experience connection in the moment and truly appreciate the relationship for what it is. Two or more people who choose to involve one another in their lives to a mutually satisfying degree in ways that may or may not look like we see on TV, Facebook and the movies especially in the context of this podcast, right? Knowing what you want out of your relationship, what you want for your life, what you want from a partner and making choices in and around your relationships and communicating those needs, wants, and desires to your partners will make for much more fulfilling relationships. That's the easy part. The hard part is knowing what you want. Few people take the time to sit down guilty, in the past, guilty and really look at their life and their needs, their wants and desires and really determine what it is that works for them in the context of having a relationship. We all too often simply do what we think we should do when we meet someone and fall in love not or have a connection. Not to mention all the hormone-driven behavior and all the choices we make that mask and or cater to our unresolved insecurities and fears that are in the background gnawing away at us. Protect me, protect me! Like the fear of being alone, the fear of not being loved, uh, the fact that we're looking to find in someone else that which we cannot find in ourselves. You know, we have to be true to ourselves. We have to address our own inner demons. We have to take responsibility for our own... Personal shortcomings, where we sell ourselves short, the things that we need to work on in ourselves, we can't find those things in other people if we're not willing to kind of find them and figure them out for ourselves, you know, being true to yourself and knowing what you want, need and desire out of your relationship allows you to live your life as you, not as a pre-prescribed role based on the suggested norms provided by the external input of the social machine. Take the red pill, man. Or is it take the blue pill? I don't know. Whichever one sets you free. Let's take a look at um, the impact of pigeonholing. Part of knowing ourselves and knowing what we want is understanding that relationships can take many shapes, and they evolve, obviously. If I have a set definition of what being a daddy looks like in my head, I'm going to live into that, and I'm going to fashion all my choices around that idealized notion of what being a daddy is, not what being a daddy is to me. And when I do that, it's going to create a relationship that looks one way rather than creating a relationship that's based on the ebb and flow of dynamic, based on the beautiful clashing of the wills of two or more people trying to find their way through life who can also be incredible sources of comfort, joy, and support for one another. Think of it this way, right? So when I started in my relationship with baby girl, I had a lot of ideas about what being a daddy looked like in my head. It was very linear and had well-defined parameters. Quote unquote, this is what being a daddy looks like in my head. And if I kept with that role, I doubt we would have evolved the way we have. Instead, that image was just a starting point. It was a very narrow lane of ideas, but it was a starting point. And instead of strictly governing my choices based on that perceived role and to stay in that lane of what I thought a daddy might be, we each took a brush and a palette of infinite colors and painted that image I had and then added all sorts of wonderful murals, expanding and growing my initial view of what being a daddy looked like into an incredible, living, breathing piece of art with an ever-expanding life of its own. That's our relationship. Flowing with the free will and choices that come from two individuals sharing wants, needs, and desires, then finding ways to create that and bring us closer, even if it means we're physically apart. And also, it, it comes from two individuals stumbling around and tripping over their demons, fears, and insecurities and sharing those and sorting through those and... Finding places for them and mostly finding places where they could potentially impact our relationship and then navigating around them to make sure that we're healthy and we're getting what we need as individuals, as well as, you know, in a fulfilling way inside our relationship. When we make choices in our relationships based on the role we envision ourselves being in, like I did in my past, well, then guess what happens? No one but us really notices how well we're living up to that ideal. Why? Because everyone else is all too busy living up to their own internalized ideals. Or sitting there wondering, like, why? Like... You're doing what you're doing when I'm sitting here with my wants, needs, and desires in my hand and trying to communicate to you what I need out of this relationship. And you're like, but I did all the things. I'm a great husband. We need to get the roles out of the way by getting in touch with who we are as individuals in our relationships what our wants, needs, and desires are, and how we and our partners can work together so we all get what we need. Compromise accepted, of course, but not at the total exclusion of sense of self. We are more than the roles we play in relationships. By casting ourselves into roles and living up to the expectations we perceive those roles as having, we're pigeonholing ourselves into relationships, looking, feeling, and evolving in a very specific way. This can often lead to our feeling constrained in those types of relationships, like they're not enough, like we're trapped. And what's dangerous about that is that sometimes we could find ways to get what we need by doing stupid shit like deceiving or cheating or lying, you know, doing selfish little things to get that self-satisfaction that we're missing, those unmet wants, needs, and desires that we're not bringing to the table because we're too busy playing a role, only to feel guilty later about doing those things knowing that now they've eroded the trust That we have in our relationships, if our partners became aware of the stupid things that we did. Playing a role in relationships can also prevent us from realizing that relationships can take many forms marriage, partnership, DS, power exchange. It can look the way you think it should look, are told it should look. Those are good starting points or templates to build on, especially if you're new. Or ideally, it can look the way you and your partner want it to. Create it. Be intentional. Don't let your preconceived notions of what certain relationships should look like, what those roles should look like, hold you back from making the choices right for you and your path in life. Remember, you are always two two or more individuals engaged in a relationship. You are there as individuals. No one has to be there. You may as well be there as yourself. And I know we all sometimes battle the fear that if I say X, my partner will leave me. But uh, you know, X is what I really need. Well, say X then, because if you're not going to get what you need, then, you know, the relationship is already failing and failing in the sense of not providing the self-satisfaction that keeps it healthy and, and meets the needs of all of the truly meets the needs of all of the people in it. A good, solid relationship where both partners are bringing their wants, needs, and desires to the table allows room for the those wants, needs, and desires to be met through the relationship, not to be hampered by the relationship, not to be sacrificed in the name of the relationship. Conducting your relationships in ways that um, leave room for both individuals' wants, needs, and desires to sit center stage takes a lot of trust, honesty, and communication. And and you know what? Honestly, feeling this way yourself is no guarantee that your partner will be up to the challenge of rising out of the normative way we're all taught love should look like. And that's okay. I mean, there's, I, I understand, it's a sense of security in following the template that's all around us in social media and TV and movies and conversations with friends and families. There's a support system that tells you this is how things should be. And that creates a sense of security. Yeah, definitely. But, if we as individuals are struggling in our relationships because they're suffocating us, there's no, no because there's no room for our wants, needs, and desires. That's not okay, and that really brings me back to thinking about when I used to pigeonhole myself to the detriment of my own satisfaction and to like healthy functioning of the relationship. If I had to tell myself um, anything, if I had to go back in time and tell myself anything, it would be that, look, dude, just because you and sorry, sorry, talking about like the total hetero there, dude, just because you have a connection with someone doesn't mean we have to be in a relationship with them. Life is too short to force connections that aren't working because we want them to. And yes, I had a lot of insecurity issues and a lot of doubts that I was lovable. So, you know, I tended to like really lean into my partnerships because they helped me form a sense of self. They helped me feel like, yes, you deserve to be loved. And if you lose this, then it proves that you're not lovable and all that crap that we battle with in the background. That's very real. But it still is no reason to be in a relationship. Life is too short to force connections that aren't working just because we want them to. So what's left is to build our relationships from the place of an individual. I am an individual with independent wants, needs, and desires, and I am engaged with in a relationship with another individual who has wants, needs, and desires, and together we respect each other's wants, needs, and desires and create shared wants, needs, and desires that work in concert with our own. And we leave lots of room for individuality to be valued in our relationship. Why? Because we we met as two individuals and we're together as two individuals. The roles don't matter. The roles will shift and change over time. And if we get stuck being focused on I need to be a good daddy. I need to be a good dominant. Well, I might just miss out on being a good partner. So keep that in mind when you're thinking about your role in relationships and the choices that you make and where those choices are coming from. Because like I said, life is short. And I know some of you out there are waiting for this. We don't just live once. We only die once. We get to live every day. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions for Daddy, you just want to write in and add your experiences, add your voice to this great conversation that we're creating and the non-normative space, trying to shed a light and broaden community by shedding a light on our lifestyle, then you can write in to Daddy at daddy underscore AF at comcast.net, and I hope to hear from you soon.